thank you for coming to the podcast. This is Top Turtle MMA Podcast on FlowCombat.com. I'm Daniel Gumby Freeland, joined as always by my co-host Shockwave Dave Tremonte. We are back on pay-per-view this week, UFC 256, headlined by Davison Figueredo versus Brandon Moreno. We also got Tony Ferguson in action, JDS, all kinds of fun fights going on. We'll of course be breaking down our three favorite fights, as well as giving you an underdog and a parlay to play as part of our fights, dogs, and parlays portion of the show, which we'll get to in just a little bit, because first, I've got two phenomenal interviews for you guys. I sat down and talked with Hanato Moicano ahead of his upcoming bout with Rafael Fiziev, which will be live on that pay-per-view. And then I talked to Daniel the Pit Pineda as he gets ready for his bout with Cub Swanson on the prelim portion of that card. So we're going to get to all that in just a moment. But before we do, I need to mention that this episode of Top Turtle MMA is brought to you by ProPace Sports Metrics. From the creator of the Grapple app, the Jiu-Jitsu game, which I also heavily suggest you download, ProPace Sports Metrics is a new Android app designed to measure the and drive the improvement of your athletic performance, especially in combat sports. Their flagship feature, the Striking Clinic, uses your phone's microphone to detect kicks and punches, which helps you drive your work rate up with beeps that tell you when the next strike is nearly overdue. Obviously, the cool thing about it is that it's sports metrics, pro-pay sports metrics, so they calculate out how well you're doing. They give you the metrics that you can use in a number of different ways to help you improve your skills or share them on Twitter to brag to your friends. Check them out. That's pro-pay sports metrics. Pro-pay sports metrics brings you this episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast, and it starts right now. The hosts are ready. The fighters are ready. Listeners, make some noise if you are ready. For Top Turtle MMA with Shockwave and Gumby. And joining me now is Hanato Moicano, who fights Rafael Fiziev at UFC 256. So, Hanato, I know this fight was originally scheduled for a couple of weeks ago. It was postponed due to a positive COVID test. How are you feeling, and, and how did that disrupt your training? Yeah, I'm feeling good. I'm feeling uh, really good right now. But last, last week, I was feeling uh, a little sick, you know, like, uh, like a, a regular flu or something like that. Was not was not that strong, but... Uh, affect my training the way I could not go to the gym so I had to to do my own training at home you know so I was running hit the bag uh, hit the pads with my wife she was helping me but but I don't think this is gonna uh, do any different because I was training really hard I am ready that's good to hear. Now, I'm curious, too, how, how did it affect your weight? Is, is your weight right around where you would expect it to be at this time? Is it a little low due to the fact that you were feeling sick? No, uh, my weight is... Uh, I, I'm, I'm on the weight, you know. I, I'm going to be... I was 145 back in the day, so in the 55, the weight is not a problem. I'm going to be on the weight, on the, on the, uh, on the weightings, and it's going to be a great fight. Well, that's good to hear. Now, I know that you, you did come up to 155 for your last fight for the very first time. It only lasted 44 seconds, but I wanted to ask you, 
How do you feel at 55? What's the difference in, in how that 45 seconds felt for you? Uh, felt pretty amazing, you know. Uh, it's really good to take a win, especially in the, uh, in the way it was, you know, a, a first round finish in, in 40 seconds was great. You know, I felt, I felt really good and I felt uh, I was diminishing myself in 45 because it was too hard to make the weight. So in the 55, the, thing, the things are um, uh, easier, you know, and I feel more healthy healthy and I feel like uh, with more like uh, I want to fight you know I don't I don't I don't get worried about my weight and I don't get worried about doesn't make the weight so I just focus on the fight day and this is great for me and, and you said you wanted to fight in there it, has it been frustrating that you've had to be away for so much time I know you had trouble figuring out some stuff with a green card and then obviously this COVID stuff. Has it been frustrating that you can't get back into the cage for that much time? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, I was expecting to fight sooner than I am, but this is not a problem. I, I never focus on the negative part. I always focus on the positive. And the positive part was uh, uh, I, uh, I train a lot. I had a lot of experience in the gym, you know, I, uh, I learned new techniques, I evolve as a fighter, so this is my point of view. I always look to the bright side. I, I love that mentality. So, so let's talk a little bit about your opponent here, because you're fighting Rafael Fiziev, a guy who's had tons of Muay Thai professional fights. He, he's got a fun kickboxing style. How, how do you see your striking matching up with his? We have to find out, you know. Next week we're gonna find out. Think I think he's really good. He's a good striker, a good, uh, well-rounded fighter, good, good MMA skills. But let's find out. I'm. I think it's gonna be a a fun fight. I think I think the people will enjoy that fight. I cannot give too much, you know. But I respect him. He's a good fighter, and let's see, let's find out what's going to happen. Well, we're excited to do that. Now, I wanted to ask, too, because you you fought pretty much everybody there was to fight in the 145-pound division. You fought Jose Aldo, you fought Calvin Cater, you know, you, you fought all the top guys, Brian Ortega, Chan Sung Jung. You come to 155, they offer you Demir Hazovic before, who's a good fighter, but again, probably a lesser-known guy. Your second fight, you get Fiziev. He's only fought in the UFC three times. Were you surprised that it wasn't a bigger name in your second fight at lightweight? Yeah, but you know what? UFC offered me Anthony Pettis and another two ranked guys in the top 10 and top 15. And the guys refused. So what could I do? What can I do? You know, I don't, I don't choose fights. I never turn down fights. I'm here to fight. This is my life. This is my job. And I really, I really don't care, you know. I don't really, I, I really don't care about who we're gonna fight next, you know. I'm, fo I am focused on myself. Like you say before, I never choose fight. I fought, I fought the best in the 45, and I'm planning to do the same at the 55. So let's see what the that victory on next Saturday, on on December 
on December 12 gonna bring to me, you know? I think I gonna have a, I gonna, I, I think I gonna, I, I will have a amazing performance and an amazing victory and let's see what UFC offer to me, but uh, it's not on my hands, it's not on my call, so I just want to go there and perform my my best version. Absolutely. And now I, I'm pretty sure I just heard your son in the background. I know this is going to be your second fight since having him. What, what's it been like going through a training camp kind of for the first time with, with your kid nearby? It's really, it's really nice, you know. Right now I am coming back to my home from my uh, strength and conditioning training. And my wife is with me all the time. My son is, is with me all the time. And this is really good, you know, because... The most important thing in my life is my family, you know, really is. And I felt, and I felt blessed, you know, I felt blessed to have uh, everything I have, you know. So this is the most important thing to me. And I just want to enjoy uh, my training, my, my training routine, my, 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 my day, you know, when I, when I have to rest, when I have to fight, you know. I just want to enjoy. I, I, I keep telling to everybody, you know, my English is not that good to explain myself the way I want, but in the life, you have to choose the way you enjoy your life, you know. I, I'm doing this because I love this. I love fight, and I love to be with my family. So uh, every day is perfect for me, you know what I mean? So the rest doesn't matter. I don't... I, n nothing's bother me, you know, because in the end of the day, I'm gonna go home, uh, see my wife, see my kids, and I'm gonna and I'm gonna do what I love to do, who is fight. So I'm really excited to go there and perform well and come back to my regular life. Well, first of all, I think you're way too hard on your own English, and second of all, that is a beautiful sentiment. Thank you so much for the time. Once again, folks, this was Hanato Moikano who fights Rafael Fiziev at UFC 256. Hanato, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much, my friend. Thank you to give me this opportunity to speak with, with the American people, with the Florida people. And I love you, America. Thank you so much. And that interview with Hanato Moikano is brought to you by Respect the Tap. Respect the Tap is a passionate group of people who are, who are passionate about combat sports and jiu-jitsu, but not just that. They are also very passionate about design and style too. And they blend those two loves of combat sports, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, with that design and style love as well to create a fashion-forward MMA brand that bucks the trends of those silly MMA brands where you see the skulls and the dragons all over things, makes you look like a walking tattoo sleeve. Instead, this is a company that embodies honor, inner strength, and respect that is inherent in martial arts, and it shows it on their apparel. I'm currently rocking one of their signature Sneery snapbacks right now. It's sharp. It's not too busy. You can get it with a little pop of color. Mine's got some pink on it, but they've got tons of options if you don't like the flashiness. So check all of those out at respectthetap.com. And joining me now is Daniel Pineda, who fights Cub Swanson at UFC 256. So, Daniel, I want to start by talking about the fact that you were out of the UFC for six years. You get this amazing comeback against Herbert Burns, a guy who had a huge hype train behind him. T take us through some of the emotions you felt getting that return in such an emphatic way. 
Ah, uh, man, just just getting back into the UFC, man. That was, you know, that was a goal of mine to get right back in. I knew I can do it. I just had to work hard. And as soon as I got back in and got a big name, man, it felt good. It felt good to go in there and control and uh, do somebody like that, you know? Absolutely. And, and you said that was the goal the whole time. For, for that whole six years, that was the mentality, like, do everything we can to get back to the UFC? Yeah, that was the Get back in the UFC, give it one more run, and uh, just, you know, after this run, like I said, man, I'm going to retire. And, and so you say after this run, it, you, you see yourself making a, a deep run towards the title, towards the top of the division, and, and you think you have how many fights to do that? How, how long does it take before, like you said, you're, you're getting close to retirement. How, how many fights do you think you have left in you? Man, honestly, if, if I go into UFC and I get my ass whooped, then I'm done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But if I go in there and I'm going against a top 10 guy and we go at it, you know, I'm going to keep going. But as long as I can keep on hanging with these young guys, I'm going to keep going. You know, if one day somebody just throws me around, then I'm done. I know when to hang them up. I like that mentality. Now, you, you said those young guys, if one of those young guys throws you around, you didn't exactly get a young guy in this next fight. You got Cub Swanson who's a pretty big name in the UFC. He's fought all the top guys in your division. What, what were sort of your thoughts when they offered you the name Cub Swanson? Man, I was excited. Like, he's an OG. You know, he's, uh, he's, been, in, he's been in the game for a long time, just like me. I think we have almost the same fights. And uh, to get somebody up there, you know, I know he's not in the top 10, but what, he's like 16 in the world or 17, something like that. I, I was excited because that would take me a lot closer to 10, you know, top 10. So I was excited to get him at the matchup. And, and do you think that it, it was the performance against Herbert Burns? Was it the fact that the guy's name was Herbert Burns? What, what do you feel got you that name so quick? Because a lot of guys come back in situations like you, and they don't get names like Cub Swanson. Because it was Burns, man. Now, they had so much hype. Man, they, they had me losing by a lot to this guy. And I just had to go in there and prove him wrong, you know? But, uh, no, yeah, it, it was the name, man. He had a, He had a lot of hype behind him. And, I mean, he's good. He's a good, he's a good guy. He's a good jiu-jitsu guy. And I went in there and I beat him in his own game. And, and was that the plan all along? Because I know, obviously, you look at your record, you know, 40 pro fights, you know, more than 40 pro fights, tons of submissions on your record. Was that the plan all along, was to go in there and beat Herbert Burns at Herbert Burns' game? Yeah, I'm not going to say that was the plan to do that. You know, <laughs> like, in, in my fights, man, uh, I just go in there, whatever happens, happens. You know, like I, if, if the guy, like like if Cub Swanson stops my shot from taking him down, then we're going to throw down. I'm going to make him shoot on me. You know what I'm saying? Now, so stop my shot. <laughs> I, I like that mentality. And, and so, you know, Cub Swanson's a guy who's been in some wars. He's He's been in, you know, fight of the year candidates against guys like Duhu Choi in, in fights where that's what they did. They just threw down. Do you see that as being a real possibility in this fight that we're going to see just an absolute bloody war fight of the year type stuff. You know what? Like I said, I'm looking for a bonus in every fight. I've been looking for a bonus in every fight. I do got to ask too, like looking back at Cub Swanson's record, you know, you, you'll notice four of his last six losses are by submission. Do, do you think that that's a clear weakness for him? And that's something that you can exploit? Or is that just something that, that, that you know, maybe has happened to happen because of who he's fought? Man, he was fighting top guys. You know, I think he just got caught by them. 
I think he's good everywhere, man. I think he's good. He just got caught. You know, it wasn't wasn't his time at that time. He got caught and you know, shit happens. You know, I got caught a lot. I lost four in a row too, and I got caught in all of those. I got submitted. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Now, I, I, I got to tell you too, because I, I was looking at the odds for this fight before it happened, and, and, and as it leads up to this fight, you're actually a favorite in this fight too, despite the fact you're coming back to the UFC. It's only your second fight. Cub Swanson, like you said, he's an OG of the division. Did did you know that you're a favorite going into this fight? That people expect you to win this one? I've, I've, uh, a lot of my friends have told me about it, man. They're like, "Hey, man, that sucks. You're a favorite. We can't bet." Blah blah blah. Man, I, I really don't. I, I don't pay attention to that. You know what I'm saying? I'll just go in there. I'm gonna try to win my fight, and that's it. Now, if I hear I'm the underdog, don't get me wrong. I'm gonna pay attention to that. <laughs> <laughs> no, now that, that it sounds like your friends pay a lot more attention to that than you do. So I gotta ask: Did did your friends win a bunch of money on you against Herbert Burns? Oh yeah, they, they they won a lot, man. They won a lot. Like they made more money than I made in my fight. <laughs> I should have started gambling. Screw this. <laughs> well, I hope you got to see at least some of that, or, or or at least they bought you a beer after the fight. They didn't buy me shit. <laughs> Well, I, I'm sorry to hear that. I hope that you wind up with a bonus in this fight that that hopefully makes up for the fact that your friends are making more money than you. Um, and I really—that's why I was so happy. I was happy in the other fight because I made a bonus. So I was like, "All right, we good. I can keep your money." <laughs> yeah. Oh, I love it. Well, we, we hope you go bonus hunting again this upcoming weekend, and we really appreciate the time, fans. Once again, this is Daniel Pineda who fights Cub Swanson at UFC 256. Daniel, thank you so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Well, we hope you enjoyed those interviews with Daniel Pineda and the one before it with Hanato Moicano. I, once again, am Daniel Gumby Vreeland. I am now joined by my co-host, Shockwave Dave Tremonte. Dave, a lot has gone on in the MMA world in the last week. Let's start with this. Former middleweight title challenger Yoel Romero has parted ways with the UFC. Your reaction? Don't forget Yoel Romero. Michael, I love you. And I love that guy so much. It is really surprising that Yoel Romero is gone. But I got to tell you, Gumby, from what Dana White has said and what people are reporting, this could just be the tip of the iceberg. And we might look back on this as not even the most surprising of the rumored 60 fights, uh, excuse me, 60 fighters that are about to be released. We just saw Rachel Ostrovich. Uh, get released but she was on a three-fight losing streak but we all know the UFC marketing machine really liked her for certain reasons uh so you could even put her in the list of high profile names but Yoel Romero yeah I mean former title challenger here's where I guess it's not surprising every company in the world right now is going through cuts it was a crazy year and this is across the globe not just domestically obviously um everyone's trying to cut where they need to cut and I guess that's what the UFC is doing here. And they're going to look at people who probably have high dollar amounts attached to their show money. And in Yoel Romero, he is 43 years old. He put on an absolutely awful performance when he was given his last title shot against Izzy. Izzy looks completely entrenched at the top of the division. Even if Izzy were to lose his title, he's going to get an immediate rematch because we live in the immediate rematch era. And the next thing you know, Yoel Romero could string together two, three wins in a row to get back in title contention or claim that he deserves the shot. It would be 2022 until he's fighting for the title again, and he'd be 45 at that point. So maybe in a lot of ways this makes sense. What do you make of it? 
I think you're right, right on. Like it's upsetting because he's a top five guy, and I think he will probably be the highest ranked guy to leave. But I don't find it super surprising if you told me they were going to cut 60 people in in hopes of saving money, which is what they're doing. Whether you whether you like it or not, you have to confront the idea that they're cutting high salary guys who they think won't be champions or who don't pull in the money that that's going out. And and if you really think that Yoel Romero pulls in the money going out. Tell me honestly that he brings in. I mean, he's making four hundred thousand to show. Are, are, mm-hmm. Do you really think that there are an extra seven thousand people buying a pay per view because he's the third fight from the top? I don't. Right. right? Like, and that's if he's not on a, an ESPN card, right? Because if he's on an ESPN card, they make the same buck if me and you are fighting on that card as if you are Romero mm-hmm. does. So guaranteed. Uh, ultimately. It's not surprising he's going at that price tag. It's not surprising he's going at 44 years old. It sucks that they're letting a top five guy go because we want this to be a sport. But in the bo- bottom line is here is, is this is something where they're trying to maximize profit, especially in a year where profits are down and they're trying to show profits up. It, it sucks, but maybe not surprising. Yeah, you know, I always go back to when they let Rory go off losing to top of the caliber, top of the division. He lost to Robbie Haller uh, as the champion, and then he lost to Stephen Wonderboy Thompson. And I was devastated by that because to me, Rory was at the very least, you know, the second best fighter in that division at 170 at the time. Um, And I thought he could have won the title. Uh, Obviously, the war with Robbie Lawler is uh epic you know and one of my favorite fights ever and he clearly i think could have just come right back into title contention and they let him go and there was monetary reasons applied to it but i gotta tell you their roster is so friggin uh deep and i haven't necessarily missed rory mcdonald since he's been gone and that's crazy for me to say as the biggest rory mcdonald fan in the world would I rather he have been there for the past couple of years? Could he have beaten Tyron Woodley when Woodley was a champ? Yeah, he could have. He beat Tyron Woodley many years ago, back in 2014. Um, but that all being said, it doesn't. I haven't really lost sleep over it at the same time either, and I'm not going to lose sleep over Yoel Romero not being there, especially at age 43. Yeah, and it's like like I said before, like at the end of the day. Rory McDonald was going to cost him a quarter of a million dollars to fight, half a million dollars to win. And, and if you think Rory McDonald being, you know, either the co-main event or the third from the top fight on a pay-per-view is going to bring in 7,000 buys, like, I, I disagree with you. You know, like, Rory McDonald versus uh, Robbie Lawler 2, third from the top, or, Rory Mc, or Robbie Lawler versus Mike Perry... I don't think we're changing the number at the end of the day, which is, you know, maybe sad to say, but uh, I think that that's where I, we're I at think, with those guys. I, and I think you bring up a great point too, and this will be the last thing we say on it, but I think Rory, let's keep going down this rabbit hole because Rory was probably the most egregious example of them letting go of someone in their prime. Okay. Yoel Romero, great fighter, top five, but not in his prime per se. And again, a million title shots and put up an awful performance in his last title shot. Rory, on the other hand, put on an absolute, you know, historical, epic, like one of the greatest fights of all time, and they cut him a year later. And that felt particularly disgusting. But at the end of the day, guess what? That ESPN contract was signed after Rory McDonald left. Him being there, him not being there, didn't matter to ESPN executives, right? They were just going for that UFC brand. So they could let go of 60 fighters. Some of them could be really good. 
it's not really going to affect the UFC brand, and it's probably not even going to affect our perception of the depth of the UFC roster. They're still going to have a million killers at 155 pounds. I think you and I were laughing about that off air the other day. They have like 100 fighters at 155 pounds, okay, which makes the fact that Khabib Nurmagomedov at the top of that, that's like being the king of... I don't even know. Like, he is the best at the most deep division. Just crazy, right? Yeah, that's crazy. And I will say, too, you're you're right about we won't – you're not going to really notice they're missing. Like, I, I, don't get me wrong. I'd still like to see Corey Anderson against some top 205ers. But since he's left, have you thought to yourself, man, I really would have liked to seen Corey Anderson versus, you know, insert guy at 205, Yuri Prashaka or Volkan Ozdemir, like – you don't miss it. And uh, I think that that's sadly part of the branding of the UFC is that they're able to churn out events where we're not going to miss those guys. And, and unfortunately it's what allows them to do this to, to guys like Yoel Romero. Um, hopefully he lands on his feet though. His, his, I will say this, his manager does seem very positive about this whole thing. It's Malki Kawa, um, which I don't know what he's got cooked up, but he seems like he's very happy with what's about to go down. Well, I'll tell you what's about to go down for us, and that's our favorite segment on the show, Fight Stocks Parlays for UFC 256, excuse me, for UFC 256 this coming Saturday. And Gumby, before we start breaking down all the odds and our picks, our parlays to play, our dogs of the week, I have to ask you, does anyone sponsor this edition of Fight Stocks and Parlays? Absolutely. Fight Stocks and Parlays is brought to you by Maroon Social. M-A-R-U-N-E. Maroon Social is the one and only social media app for the martial arts enthusiast. So whether you do kickboxing, judo, sambo, or jujitsu, it does not matter. Track your training sessions on Maroon Social so that you can continue to meet the goals that you set for yourself. You can also try their premium version, Peak, for a year for free as a Top Turtle MMA listener by using promo code TOPTURTLEMMA. That's right, Top Turtle MMA, and get Maroon Social's Peak for a free year. Uh, and, of course, download Maroon Social wherever it is you download apps. All right, we will start in the main event, as we are known to do, and this is a banger of a main event. We have Devison Figueredo, the 125-pound champion. He's a minus 300 favorite to Brandon Moreno, a plus 250 dog. Both these guys fought at the end of November, so quick turnarounds, about three weeks for each of them which I always find exciting when the UFC will have guys in the same division be like the co-main event or have two fights on the same card, and then you get the winners fighting each other. It's probably about as close as we will ever get in modern UFC to like a mini tournament or Grand Prix, if you will. Uh, But that being said, Devison Figueredo beat Alex Perez. He had quite a year to Figueredo. Two wins over Joseph Benavidez. Uh, for the title, uh, the first one, it's too complicated to even go into. But the second Joseph Benavidez win, he actually did win the title. Uh, and then he beat Alex Perez via guillotine choke just a few weeks ago. Um, Moreno is also on uh, a nice streak himself. Uh, after a draw with Askar Askarov, he's on a three-fight win streak. He TKO'd Brandon Royval a few weeks ago to earn this title shot. Plus 250 dog, who are you taking? Uh, I'm taking Davison Figueredo. He is, uh, I, I know we've talked about this before in the past. He is now ascended into that championship position where I don't pick against him until he loses because he's either proven me wrong enough times or he looks that damn good lately. You know, I, I picked Alex Perez over him three weeks ago. 
mostly because I thought Figueredo looked like he had a wrestling weakness. Um, you know, his only loss is Juicy A. Formiga, who's a notably good wrestler who gave him kind of that one loss. Since then, he seems to only concede takedowns when he's looking for a submission. And it turns out his submissions are just as freaking scary as his hands. And, and for that reason and the reason where... I'm going to be honest with you. The thing that alarms me the most about Brandon Marino is that he is very beatable early in a fight. As a fight goes on, he gets better and better, but he gets hit a lot early until he starts to figure you out. You know, you look back at his record, he had a 10-8 first round where he lost to Alexandre Pantoja. You know, you can talk about, uh, I mean, not the Roy Vall fight, but the one before that. You know, he lost the first round pretty clearly before coming back and winning um, against Kaikara France. So, we're talking about a guy who has issues early in fights against a guy who makes it his mission to go out and hurt people in the first round. It's a nightmare matchup. Figueredo, easy pick here for me. And I like to just tack him onto every parlay I'm doing because he's that damn good. I agree with you completely. I'm not going to make a case for uh, Moreno. I think this is our boys fight all day. And I'm very excited uh, with him at the driver's seat of the featherweight excuse me, of the flyweight division. We'll move then to a very exciting co-main event. Should be a banger of a fight, even if you want to say that the result is uh, to be expected, but you have Tony Ferguson taking on Trey Hill. Really, six-year stalwart at, you know, the top of the 155-pound division. Tony Ferguson, of course, threw up a, I don't know, 15,000-fight win streak. Um, and then ran into Justin Gaethje and really got um, picked apart on the feet. Uh, we've really never seen Tony and his funky style look as bad against uh, anyone as he did against Justin Gaethje. Justin Gaethje absolutely sauced him. Justin Gaethje absolutely mocked him. Uh, and, you know, uh, Ferguson turned into a bit of a Frankenstein. He ever never actually got knocked down. It was really a TKO while still on the feet just because, uh, he was getting beat up so badly. But, um, you know, we know what Tony Ferguson brings to the table. His jits game is out of this world. He never stops. It's nonstop pressure. Charles Oliveira is on a win streak himself. He's actually won seven wins in a row. He's coming up a big guillotine choke win over Kevin Lee. They beat Jared Gordon before that, beat Nick Lentz before that, beat KO, then a kind of choke over David Tymore. He has a ton of submission wins. Uh, so you have two very jits-heavy guys, but what it all equals is Ferguson, a minus-170 favorite, and Oliviera, a plus-150 dog. Who are you taking? I'm taking Tony Ferguson. The, the upsetting thing about this to me is how long have we been calling for Charles Oliveira to finally get that fight in that top tier that we thought he deserved? I, I've been saying for years, you know, win after win after win, sub after sub after sub, that he deserves a top-tier opponent. He finally gets it, and they literally cherry-picked the worst dude in the top five for him to fight, right? Like who, you know, Charles Oliveira, a guy with decent boxing, if he can back you up, who the fuck backs up Tony Ferguson? Nobody in the world backs up Tony Ferguson. Even Justin Gaethje didn't even really back him up. He kept moving forward after he got clobbered. Uh, and then you look at Charles Oliveira's other path to victory. He's got an amazing submission game. Tony Ferguson doesn't go out there and get sub, dude. Like Tony Ferguson is a beast on the mat. And I'm not saying Tony Ferguson is a better grappler than Charles Oliveira, but he's at least got the scrambles and the defensive know-how to stay away from the submissions. And for that reason, 
like that pretty much nullifies what Charles Oliveira can do to win, right? Like I don't expect him to control Tony on the ground. I don't expect him to back him up boxing and I don't expect him to hit him enough to, to beat him. So with that being said, you expect Tony Ferguson to have probably the advantage on the feet and the advantage wrestling wise, should he want to take it to the ground and wind up in a better position. So I've got Tony Ferguson all day here. And I also would not be surprised if he used those hands to stun Charles Oliveira and get it done that way. Uh, I definitely like the idea of this hitting the mat. So I might make a parlay there. Uh, and I could even see it going in either direction on the mat. Although I do, I believe Tony Ferguson is going to get subbed. No, but I bring this up and just that I like the parlays that might be by submission. Although you could also have both guys camping each other out. However, I do agree with you. I also like Tony by TKO, uh, just because of the pressure. Unfortunately, it's not a five round fight which would make me feel a lot better about that. Uh, it just being a three-round fight, you know, that probably lends itself more towards going a decision. Maybe neither guy breaks the other one uh, into a finish in three rounds. But interesting nonetheless, and I'm expecting it to be a uh, hell of a fight. We'll move then to the kind of matchmaking you'd expect from the UFC. Junior Dos Santos, uh, the former champion at heavyweight, is a plus 350 dog to the up-and-comer Cyril game. Junior Dos Santos is on a three-fight losing streak. You want to talk about someone who's on the bubble that's probably going to get cut with a high show money bonus? Uh, that's Junior Dos Santos. If he loses this one, he might even still get cut if he wins it. Who knows? Cyril Gain, the kickboxer at a minus 400 favorite. What's so exciting about Cyril Gain to me is that out of his three UFC wins, two of them are submissions. Who are you taking here? Uh, I'm going to go again. Uh, I think you're – it's weird that when you brought that up, it totally caught me off guard and made me uncomfortable that you were talking about uh, Junior Dos Santos getting cut. But, like, also, yeah, you, it, it made perfect sense, and it, that that's maybe what caught me off guard the most is how much I agreed with you. It's a little bit upsetting, but, yeah, I think he's he's outmatched here. If you look at the types of guys that Junior Dos Santos has beaten recently, right? Like, And he, he hasn't won a ton recently. That That's a big part of it. But if you look at the types of guys he's beaten recently, they all have something in common, right? The guys he's beaten, Blago Ivanov, Ty Tuivasa, Derek Lewis, guys who are thick around the midsection. And when you compare that to Cyril Gane, who's built like a truck, there's no way that Junior Dos Santos has the speed and quickness advantage over him. And I think that's probably the biggest alarming factor is that like what Junior Dos Santos, which typically had which was a kickboxing style advantage and like a, a technical aspect and maybe a little bit of speed. He's going to be matched in the stuff that he's best at. And I don't see Gon getting him out of there. I think this is probably a one-sided beatdown. Um, but that being said, you know, I just had the intern look it up. Junior Dos Santos in his last fight made half a million dollars to show and lose. Man, I would not be surprised if you're right, if this might be the last time we see Junior Dos Santos in the octagon. I wish we could bet on who we think would be cut. Uh, we'll move then to our dog of the week. It's Virna Jindaraba, a plus 150 over our girl, Mackenzie Dern. Why do we like her as the dog? Yeah, let me start by saying it, it is it does hurt a little bit to pick against Mackenzie Dern. But when I was looking at these underdogs, it just made the most sense to stick with Jandaroba for the reason of if you think about what Mackenzie Dern is good at. So far, her last two fights have come from people who have gotten her to the ground, sort of silly that they went to the ground with her, in both random Arcos, who followed up a head kick slip and landed on the ground, and 
uh, Hannah Cyphers, who just stood next to her in a standing-to-ground position and then got knee-barred. So, like, we're talking about two people who willingly committed to going to the ground with her. We got Janda Roba here, who I don't think is going to give her that option. She's a hell of a wrestler in the, the sense that she stuffed Carla Esparza more than once when Carla Esparza shot, especially late in the fight. She just absolutely, you know, shut down what Esparza had and even landed a couple of takedowns of her own. And I think that that's the biggest advantage she holds here is that she can outbox Mackenzie Dern and she holds the answer to whether or not this goes to the ground. I also think because she is so talented when it comes to grappling, she might be one of the only women in this division who can go to the ground with Dern and not get subbed. And for that reason, just staying alive and being in the better position, I think she probably beats Dern here by decision. And I think that that's a hell of a prop here. I saw it was betting off at like 50-50. It's basically a pick em right now. Get this fight going the distance because I don't think either of them's getting the sub. Our parlay to play is Sergi Spivak, a minus 220 favorite, and then throw in our boy Tony Ferguson, a minus 170. Play them together. It will get you plus money, plus 140 odds. Let's hear it. So we already talked about why we like Tony Ferguson in this, right? He is a stylistic nightmare for Charles Oliveira and really cuts out his path to victory. Spivak here I love in this fight. I'm a big fan of Sergei Spivak in the way that he puts pace and volume on his opponents. He's the type of guy who puts you up against the cage and absolutely wears you out. And when you put him against a guy like Jared Vandero, who's coming off the Contender Series, he's shown that he's willing to engage in the clinch, but also doesn't have a great gas tank. He's a guy who's got tons of first-round finishes on his record. And I just don't see Spivak being as durable as he is, being the type that Vandera can get out of there. And as the second and third round progress, Spivak has just got a far better gas tank, a far better work rate, and I think his style is not great for Vandera here. So I like pairing those two together. Plus 140, never a bad price to see. Hey, we're good at what we do. Hit us up on our Twitter, at TopTurtleMMA. Let us know if we did you right this week with some of this gambling advice. Or let us know if we did you dirty. We're accepting both love and hate feedback at all times. Do us a favor. If you like the show, head on over to iTunes, write a review. It helps keep the lights on at the Top Turtle Studios. Thank you so much for listening. Gumby, that's all I have. Why don't you add on whatever you got to and wrap this bad boy up? And that's going to do it for another episode of Top Turtle MMA Podcast. We want to thank you, the fans, for tuning in each and every week. We couldn't do what we do without you guys. We also couldn't do what we do without the Mothership, Flow Combat, or any of our sponsors, Maroon Social, ProPace Sports Metrics, or RespectTheTap.com. Make sure to check us out on Twitter and on Instagram, both of those places, at Top Turtle MMA. And until next week, I'm Daniel Gumby-Vreeland, he's Shockwave Dave Tremonte, and we'll see you then.